And stress is the cause of all inflammatory response in your body. So when you have a sprained ankle, you know, that places physical stress on the body. Um, when you have a runny nose or a cough, those are all symptoms of inflammation when you get a cold. Now, inflammation is a risk factor for more than about 30 different medical illnesses, like anything from cancer to diabetes to dementia and even depression. And, you know, just so that we're on the same page, just like there's two different types of stress, there's two different types of inflammation. Okay, so you have acute inflammation. So that's your body's natural response to like, you know, scraping your knee or like when you got a splinter in your finger and your finger starts to swell up, right? And then you have chronic inflammation. So chronic inflammation is your body's, you know, really confused and damaging immune response to a variety of different things like environmental invaders, physical invaders, and mental invaders. And these all come in the forms of different things. So it could be chemicals, um, it could be stress, and it definitely could be poor diet. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well-being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Hello, veggie lovers. Welcome back to another episode of Veggie Doctor Radio. Today, we're going to be talking about stress with Trudy Stone, which is a great topic since I am feeling all of the stress for the past few months, actually. So this is a good reminder for me of managing my mind. And the nutrition for me is mostly on point. So that part I've got down. It's the mind management part that I always need to be reminded of. But let me tell you about Trudy. She is a certified culinary nutritionist, TV guest, wellness expert, author, podcast host, and founder of Trudy Stone Nutrition, who educates people about nutrition solutions for managing stress and anxiety. From healthy habits to brain health, Trudy is passionate about empowering people to build healthier habits and unlock the power of food to build a strong and vibrant brain and body. Trudy is also the creator of the RISE RISE method, a step-by-step -step framework to help people to overcome stress, overwhelm, and fatigue. And today we're going to talk about why we get so stressed, particularly us women, how you differentiate the types of stress, what is bad stress, how does stress affect our health and well-being? And then we're going to talk about her four-step rise method for stress and what it is that women struggle with the most when they're trying to change their habits. I want to remind you that the information on this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not meant to replace careful evaluation and treatment. So if you have concerns about you or your child's eating, nutrition, or growth, please consult a health professional. Thank you so much for being here. To all of my veteran listeners and new listeners, I appreciate you so much, and I'm grateful for you listening to this episode. Please share it if you think that it would benefit somebody else. And without further ado, let's welcome Trudy Stone. 
Well, hello, Trudy Stone, and welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. Hi, Dr. Yami. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Such a pleasure. I want to hear all about you. So let's start about your story. Tell us about your story and how you became interested in helping women with their health and well-being, particularly stress. Well, I always say that I had like a long and winding road in terms of my relationship with stress, Dr. Yami, and it started out on my weight loss journey. So I got married about eight years ago now. And like most women who are about to walk down the aisle, they start thinking about, you know, am I going to be able to fit into the dress? So I started on my weight loss journey at that time. But what was different about that time, Dr. Yami, was that I had a really a complicated relationship with dieting, like a lot of women do. So, you know, gaining weight, you know, losing weight, gaining it back, losing it and gaining it back. But when I walked down that aisle, I said, you know what? This is going to be the last time I'm doing this. I'm getting off of this dieting roller coaster once and for all. So I started doing a lot of research in terms of what was working in the weight loss industry and um, looking at different like Harvard studies and that sort of thing. And I started to apply a lot of the things I was finding on myself. And then that's when I actually started to lose weight and it became more effortless this time around. But what really made all the difference, though, Dr. Yami, it wasn't even really so much the foods. It was habits. And I realized that habits was really the key to not even just losing weight, but just eating healthy more consistently. So that's why I actually wrote a book about it. My book, Unbreakable, is all about the seven habits that I use to lose weight, but they're not just food. Like one of them is definitely stress because at that time that I was trying to lose weight, I was under a lot of stress. I was doing a lot of different things. I was planning my wedding. I was working full time. I had gotten a promotion. So I was working even more hours. I was on a committee planning one of the largest charity events here in the city. And just for kicks, I was also doing school part time in the evenings as well. So my plate was really, really full. And I felt really, really overwhelmed. But I realized at that time, Dr. Yami, that for me, stress actually became one of my biggest assets, rather than something that crippled me. And I really want to encourage other women to look at stress in the same way as well. And like a lot of women, like I've had a lot of, you know, situations in my life where I've been stressed out. Like that was definitely one of them, you know, working in the corporate industry for about 14 years. That was, you know, a huge source of stress as well. Um, but what these situations taught me, Dr. Yami, was that. I could look at stress differently. And when, when, we try, when we're trying to make any sort of changes in our life, it always comes down to perception, right? About the way that we look at things. So that's when I started to look at stress as an invitation. It was an invitation for me to really look at the areas of my life that were out of balance and the areas of my life that I needed to redesign so that I could ultimately turn stress into my superpower. Mm, yeah, and I definitely want to get into that because that's definitely not how we think about stress. But tell me, why are women so stressed? Oh, lots of different reasons, Dr. Yami. You know, there's lots of different types of stressors out there. There's, you know, developmental transition stressors. So that's like, you know, new job or new baby. Then you have the major life events that could be a divorce or maybe a job loss. Then maybe there's chronic stress because maybe you're taking care of like an ill family member. Maybe you're in an unhappy marriage. And a lot of my clients in the pandemic, you know, the pandemic really hit their parents especially hard. So maybe you're finding yourself now caring for the elderly, right? So there's lots of different types of stressors. 
others. But the main one I've been seeing definitely, you know, leading into the pandemic is a lack of boundaries. You know, we take on too much, especially as women, we take on a lot. And during the pandemic, we took on a lot more roles that we didn't really anticipate taking on, like, you know, being a teacher, for example, and now all of a sudden we're homeschooling our children, right? So all these additional roles, you know, really do cause a lot of stress. And again, I think it's, it's due to lack of boundaries, right? You know, some things you can do to establish some boundaries are, you know, maybe you take no calls during your lunch hour. Maybe you turn off notifications on Slack or turn off those emails, you know, after a certain amount of time in the evenings so that you can have that time, you know, for yourself. Um, for me personally, it was hiring an assistant because I was doing all of the things in my business. And just because I could do all of the things, it doesn't necessarily mean that I should do all of the things, right? But I'm a control freak like most women, right? So I had a, a really hard time, you know, looking out, looking outside to hire somebody to help me with that. But ultimately, I did find an amazing assistant. Um, she's been great. Um, she's been such a value add to my life and just helping me to stay true to the boundaries that I've set for myself. So you know, I also want women to look at boundaries in terms of think of like guardrails on the road, right? So when you're on the road or when you're on the highway, you have those guardrails on the side or we have like the lines on the highway that divide the lanes, right? They're there to protect everybody. So if you find yourself a people pleaser and you're unable to say no, just kind of think about that analogy. Like those guardrails on the road are there to protect everybody. Just like setting boundaries for yourself is there to protect everybody in your life as well as you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I find that to be true for myself. For a lot of women that I know is we want to do everything for everybody. And then we get left for last. And mainly because we're feeling guilt, we're feeling shame, we think we should be better, we want to be like the ultimate super mom and do everything for the kids and all of these activities. And at the end of the day, there's no more time left. It just wears us completely thin. We're exhausted. We're depressed, anxious, feeling all of these different emotions when we try to do so much. So I find that to be very true. Well, mm -hmm. let's go on and how we can define stress. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but there's different kinds of stress. And how can we tell if stress is good or bad? Yeah, well, there's two different types of stress. Um, there's acute stress and then there's chronic stress, right? So the stress response is great if we're facing, you know, an acute stressor, such as let's say, for example, you know, there's an attacker, there's somebody race, you know, racing after us, then we all, all of a sudden that cortisol spikes up and then we run away from the attacker. Or maybe we have like a pressing deadline at work and then we have that acute stress to actually meet that deadline, right? You know, all of those day-to-day -day challenges of getting things done, you know, paying the bills, um, taking care of your family, all of these things that, you know, we have in this challenging world of ours. Then there's, you know, psychological stressors. So it could be things like loneliness, which a lot of us experience during the pandemic that might be living alone, um, uncertainty, um, you know, failure, rejection, you know, threats to our health or you know, threats to our security and, our, and just to our livelihood, right? But the problem is it's the chronic stress, okay? So chronic or long-term stress, that's as the result of a situation that just has not been resolved. It could be anything, really. It could be, um, 
could be abuse. It could be a traumatic event that happened to you, you know, during childhood. It could be an ongoing situation, like being trapped in an unhappy marriage. Maybe you're in a job that you absolutely hate, or maybe you just have like a, just a constant sense of dissatisfaction with yourself, right? So chronic stress really is the problem because chronic stress can really lead to a lot of different types of diseases. So we really need to start being more mindful of what some of those symptoms are for, you know, when we're experiencing that chronic stress. So some of them are, you know, maybe you're getting frequent cold or frequent infections. It could be like a lot of tense muscles, could be a lot of like aches and pains, um, upset stomach. That's definitely one that I get when I'm stressed out. Upset stomach. I get that tightness on my chest, that rapid heartbeat, um, nausea, insomnia, um, you know, low energy and food cravings. Like These are all common symptoms of just dealing with chronic stress day in and day out. Mm -hmm. Well, and even just anxiety and depression, right? So mood disorders yeah. themselves are a result, can be a result of chronic stress. Well, you kind of already touched on some of these things, but how does this chronic stress affect women's well-being in the long term? Oh, lots of different ways. Um, you know, I would say impact on digestion is probably on the top of my list because when your body feels like it's under threat, other less critical body bodily functions like digestion are shut down. And that affects your body's ability to actually absorb nutrients from the foods that you're eating. And these are probably nutrients that your body actually needs to help you to manage and deal with those stressful times, right? So I would say that's, you know, probably at the top of the list in terms of that. Um, you know, and there's also 17 different conditions, at least 17 different conditions that we can link to excess stress. So memory. Um, you know, excess stress can actually affect the part of your brain called the hippocampus. And that's a part of your brain that's responsible for memory and learning. Um, belly fat. I know a lot of women won't want to hear this, but increased cortisol can actually lead to increased fat around our midsection. Um, cravings for sugar and fat, right? That also goes up as well. And of course, now we're, we're not making the best decisions because we're under stress. And now we're turning to these foods that don't really serve us. Blood sugar levels, when you have increased cortisol levels, that can actually increase your blood sugar levels as well. And that could be dangerous, um, especially if you're someone who's pre-diabetic or if you have diabetes, you definitely want to make sure that you are doing something to help you to manage stress. Yeah. And it affects our sleep as well. And that becomes a vicious yeah. cycle because people are sleeping less, they're fatigued. And then you also have a change in your hormones for appetite. And specifically, you're going to be craving those high calorie density foods, which makes a lot of sense. I like people to understand that it's not because there's something wrong with them. It's because their bodies are designed to do this. As human creatures, stress means that we need to protect ourselves, right? And we protect ourselves by acquiring increased body fat and making sure that we're surviving whatever stressor there is. Now, in the past, the stressor was things that could physically harm us, probably like extreme weather changes, famines, these kinds of things. But now the stressors are all inside our minds. And so it's not necessarily something that's physically attacking us or something that can physically harm us. It's inside our minds, but we're still having the exact same reactions to protect ourselves and increase our long-term survival so that we don't die of the stressor. However, in this modern world, it's having the opposite effect because it's happening so long, it's lasting so long, and then it's increasing our risk of chronic disease. So I just want people to not feel guilty or that there's something wrong with them when they have these responses. This is literally the way that your body is designed to work. So thank you for explaining that. 
Yeah. And thank you for mentioning that. It's so true because you're right. A lot of women do think a lot of people, but a lot of women especially do really feel like this is their fault, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you have developed a method. It's called the four step rise method for handling or managing stress. Tell me about it. Yeah, you know, I developed this RISE method because of all of the ways that stress impacts our bodies negatively, right? So it consists of four steps, but the idea behind it is this, like nobody is free of stress. It's always going to be there, but you can manage the way that you react to it and rise above it so that it no longer has this immense sense of control over you, right? And sometimes the best way to manage your stress involves changing your situation. And at other times, the best strategy just involves changing the way that you respond to the situation. So that's what the RISE method helps people to do. Tell us about it. Yeah, I'll jump into the first one. So the first one is R and that's for ruminating, right? And I'm glad that you talked about our thought processes earlier because, you know, the thoughts that we have lead to a certain feeling that we have and then that leads to certain actions. So we could have like a really stressful, you know, sort of thought or you know, thought about ourselves like I'm not worthy or why can't I figure this out? Like I'm so dumb. And then this might lead to a feeling like it could be like an upset stomach, right? Or whatever that, you know, symptom is for you. And then that leads to an action. And that action, like what we talked about earlier, in a lot of cases is women turning to food to soothe their emotions. So the R in the rise stands for ruminating. So ruminating is when you tend to dwell on a situation that you find stressful or distressing over and over and over again, right? So one of the examples I can give here is Let's say maybe you had a discussion with your coworker and maybe that discussion didn't go as well as you had hoped it would. Maybe you said something that you feel you shouldn't have said. And now you spend the whole day thinking about that conversation and replaying it over and over and over again. But when you do that, you actually train the emotional part of your brain to become stronger. And this means that you're much more likely in the future to spend more time ruminating right? Mm -hmm. And you have like over 30 trillion different cells in your body. And each one of those cells are actually influenced by your thoughts. Like every thought that you think, it actually influences chemical messengers in your brain and how your body functions. And I'm also seeing this, you know, in terms of autoimmune conditions, there is some, you know, research out there that shows some links between stress and autoimmune conditions as well, which we're also seeing on the rise. So, you know, one quick thing you can do is just to do something in the moment. And I think when we feel stressed out, like we can't wait to get on that vacation and get on the beach. We can't wait to go to the spa and get the massage. And we don't often stop to consider those things that we can do right in the moment. So I have something that I teach my clients and my community, and it's called catch, release, replace. And it's just simply breathing. So if you can do nothing else, if you just breathe in the moment, you're going to help to activate that parasympathetic nervous system, which is almost like putting the brakes on stress. So are you okay if I go through the catch, release, replace yeah, really quickly? Yeah, do it. So it's all about just taking a few deep breaths. So on that first deep breath in, I want you to catch that thought, that thought that's distressing you or making you feel overwhelmed. And it's great if you close your eyes while you do this, okay? So when you have that thought that's distressing you or making you feel stressed out or overwhelmed, just say to yourself, that's an interesting thought. And then you wanna exhale. And then on the next breath in, you just want to thank your brain for protecting you. Because when we have these negative thoughts, that's what your brain's doing. It's just doing what it was designed to do. 
which is just to protect you. So I want you to just picture that thought almost like a cloud in the sky and just floating away. Just like the clouds are always in the sky. They're always there, right? So just picture that thought just like a cloud in the sky just floating away right? Then you exhale. Then on the third deep breath in, you want to replace that thought with something that is helpful, something that feels empowering to you. And at the very least, it could be, you know, maybe thinking about a time in your life before that was particularly stressful or challenging. You got through that situation. So maybe it's just as simple as saying, you know what, I've been through difficult situations before and I got through that. It could just be something as simple as that, or it could be an affirmation that just makes you feel more enlightened. It just makes you feel more empowered. I love that. Yeah, that's very empowering because a lot of people don't realize that they have the ability to manage their thoughts. Now, we can't control every single thought that comes at us. There's a lot of thoughts that are coming at us very rapid fire throughout the day. So we might not necessarily be able to control what thoughts are coming at us, but we can take that thought and we can manage it and turn it into something that's going to be better for us physiologically and for all the chemicals in our body. So I love that method. And even just the physical act of breathing that's stimulating your vagal tone and helping you calm down and relax as well. So I like how you mesh all of those together. Okay. So that's the R ruminating. And so basically Mm -hmm. the ruminating is what we don't want to be doing, right? So we don't want to engage in rumination because that is a thought habit. And the more we engage in that habit, the more we strengthen that habit. So when we notice that we're ruminating, then we use the catch, release, replace method. Yes. You nailed it, Dr. Yami. That's awesome. I love that synopsis. (laughs) All right. So now the I. The I. So I is for inflammation. And stress is the cause of all inflammatory response in your body. So when you have a sprained ankle, you know, that places physical stress on the body. Um, When you have a runny nose or a cough, those are all symptoms of inflammation when you get a cold. Fall is here. And you know what that means. Sweater weather and... No, not pumpkin spice, Bernie Wilde's adventure sauce. Bernie's is truly an all-purpose sauce that goes with everything any time of year. But really, it can be used as a sauce on your bowls, a marinade, a dip, topping for your tacos and burgers, and it's so unique. It definitely has a bit of a kick, but it's also umami, tangy, and has a delightful creaminess. Bernie Wilde's Adventure Sauce is perfect for all of your fall events, whether it's a cookout or a Friday night movie night. Don't believe me? Try it for yourself. It's called Bernie Wilde's Adventure Sauce, and you have a good reason to grab yourself a bottle or two right now. My listeners get 20% off their first order of $20 or more and free shipping. Just use the code Dr. Yami. That's D-R-Y-A-M-I. Follow the link in the show notes or go to www.BernieWilds.com. You're going to love this sauce and it's going to feel great supporting a new vegan small business. After you taste it, I want to know what you think about this sauce. Do you love it as much as I do? Go get yourself a couple of bottles of Bernie Wilds Adventure Sauce right now and get your 20% off and free shipping by using the code Dr. Yami. Enjoy that sweater weather. Now, inflammation is a risk factor for more than about 30 different medical illnesses, like anything from cancer to diabetes to dementia and even depression. And, you know, just so that we're on the same page, just like there's two different types of stress, there's two different types of inflammation. 
Okay, so you have acute inflammation. So that's your body's natural response to like, you know, scraping your knee or like when you got a splinter in your finger and your finger starts to swell up, right? And then you have chronic inflammation. So chronic inflammation is your body's, you know, really confused and damaging immune response to a variety of different things like environmental invaders, physical invaders, and mental invaders. And these all come in the forms of different things. So it could be chemicals, um, it could be stress, and it definitely could be poor diet. And in fact, that is actually one of the things that contributes to a lot of inflammation in the body. That is the standard American diet. It's also known as the Western diet. So this is the diet that many of us are eating these days. Um, you know, it includes lots of white flour, processed foods, lots of sugar, um, you know, vegetable oils, and very little like fruit, vegetables, and whole grains. But what we need to realize is when we eat these foods that are unnatural to your body, that contain all these different chemicals and additives, your body actually sees it as an injury, just like that splinter in your finger, right? So inflammation is how your body tries to heal itself. And what makes me concerned as a nutritionist, and especially, you know, as we're starting to kind of come out of the pandemic now, is that the very foods that many people are turning to to manage stress are actually formulated to keep you hooked and have you keep coming back for more. So these foods actually hijack the pleasure centers in your brain that make you keep coming back for more. And I don't think it's any coincidence that the countries that have the highest intake of sugar also have the highest rates of depression as well. So we really want to make sure we're adding in those anti-inflammatory foods. And I'm, I'm cautious here because I don't want to be a killjoy and tell people they can never have the, the Haagen-Dazs again or they can never have the chocolate cake. It's just about, you know, thinking about adding things in versus the things that you can't have. So again, it comes down to perception right? So adding in anti-inflammatory foods like blueberries. Blueberries are like one of the best fruits you can eat, high in antioxidants, anthocyanins. Um, they're great for the memory as well. Um, dark leafy greens, turmeric, ginger, green tea. You know, these are all really great sources of anti-inflammatory foods. Yeah. Well, don't worry. My audience is used to this message. That's mainly what I talk about on here. <laughs> yeah. So we're always talking about how to eat more whole plant foods and That's how they're right. packed with not just antioxidants, but fiber, which we know that mm. fiber is also anti-inflammatory because of the way that it it relates or it interacts with our gut microbiome and how important that is for our health. So, right. so I is inflammation, lots of different ways that we can produce inflammation in our bodies, but we know that diet for sure is a really big one. So there's things that we can do to decrease that inflammation and be more anti-inflammatory by eating more whole plant foods, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans, nuts, and seeds. I'm definitely on board with this message. So awesome. <laughs> I knew you would be. <laughs> All right. So how about S? S is for stress busting nutrients. And this is probably my favorite part of the rise system. And it's because, you know, these days we often tend to treat illnesses or disease with prescription drugs or risky surgeries, you know, all of that before we even stop to consider what we're putting on our plate. Right. And again, I know you talk about this as well with eating a lot of the plant-based foods, right? And although dietary recommendations have been made for anything um, for treating heart disease and diabetes and high cholesterol, food really hasn't been the, re the recommended protocol for mental health until now. And there's a lot more emerging studies that are coming out that's showing the links between what we're eating and our mental health. Um, one of them is the SMILES trial. I don't know if you've heard of this one before. Probably, but refresh our memories. 
Yes, I'll let you know what that is. So with the SMILES trial, I think this was back in 2017, they took two group of depressed patients. One group was just given social support. So just like talk therapy, while the second group was given that social support, but they were also fed a Mediterranean style diet. You know, lots of, you know, fish, um, fresh fruits, vegetables, healthy fats. And they followed these two groups for 12 weeks. And what they found was 12 weeks later, the patients that had the social support, in addition to changing their diet to that Mediterranean style diet, they had a much greater reduction in their depressive symptoms than the other group that just had the talk therapy. So this is just one of you know many emerging studies that are coming out that's showing that link between our mental health and the foods that we're eating. So the Mediterranean diet, just so you know, everyone's on the same page. And I know you, you talk about this too, you know, lots of, and when I say Mediterranean diet, I want to, I want to preface this by saying it's not necessarily eating Greek food or, you know, that style of food. It's mainly the principles that we should kind of, you know, be aware of. So eating a lot of plant-based foods, a lot of fresh fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes. So those beans, those lentils, you know, nuts, seeds, you know, adding in healthy fats, like olive oil, you know, eating fish, limiting red meat, you know, and enjoying meals with family and friends. Like that's a huge part of the Mediterranean diet as well, like that social aspect. And, you know, even if we eat, when we sit down and when we eat a meal with family or friends, just think about how great that connection feels over food, right? So even just something as simple as that. So one um, nutrient that gets depleted in the body during times of stress are B vitamins. But the thing is, when we're stressed out, that's exactly when we do need these nutrients like B vitamins. And stress completely burns out the B vitamins in your body. Now, by, uh, vitamin B6 in particular, that one helps to manufacture the neurotransmitter serotonin. And that's a neurotransmitter that makes us feel good and in a great mood. And one of the best sources of that are sweet potatoes. And I don't know about you, Dr. Yami, but I love me some sweet potatoes. I could eat them all day, every day. There's so many things you can do with them, right? Absolutely. They're delicious. So good. Um, so some other sources of B6 include things like garlic, um, cauliflower, um, cashews, um, you know, red and green bell peppers, just to name a few. So lots of delicious plant foods. Yes, yes. So I was going to go back and say, whenever you talked about the connection part of eating, you know, that also aligns with the blue zones and how people in the blue zones are living long lives, healthy lives. And one of them is through connection, which is also one of the pillars of lifestyle medicine as well. So you're kind of uh, cutting two carrots with one knife there and you're getting your plant foods, you're getting your anti-inflammatory foods, but you're also connecting with others, which itself is anti-inflammatory and helping to calm your nervous system and, and all of that. And then I just wanna add, because the majority of my listeners are predominantly plant-based or vegan. For those of you that are concerned about getting enough omega-3, DHA, EPA, that you can get plenty and studies show that it's just as good to use a vegan algal oil. So you don't have to eat fish. You can cut off the middle fish, decrease your risk of some of the heavy metal exposure as well by doing an algal oil supplement. So I just want to throw that in as well. Okay, great. So stress busting nutrients, we get that a lot with the plant foods, Mediterranean style mm -hmm. diet. And then tell us what the last one is, which is E. 
Yeah, the last one is E. But before I even get to the E, Dr. Yami, I just wanted to share like a fun connection that I have to the blue zones, right? And these are the areas of the world where people live the longest. They live to be over the age of 100. So one of the areas of the blue zones is Loma Linda, California, and they have the highest concentration of Seventh-day Adventists. So my grandmother was actually a Seventh-day Adventist, you know, God rest her soul, she's passed now. But, you know, my grandmother was a Seventh-day Adventist and she ate primarily plant-based foods, she lived to 101 years old. Oh, amazing. So there's, yeah. So there's definitely, you know, something to be said for, you know, being plant-powered for sure. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's a great connection. Yeah. All right. So let's get to the E. So E is emphasis on gut health. I had to get creative with the E. (laughs) (laughs) So your gut is considered to be your second brain. So it really is important that we feed it the right foods because when you nourish your gut, you're also nourishing your brain. So that relationship between your brain and your gut, it's bidirectional. And that just simply means that they send messages towards each other, right? So your brain sends messages to your gut, your gut sends messages to your brain. And this is done through neurotransmitters, which are chemicals. Hey, are you kind right? of curious so about microgreens really and including microgreens in your diet, but serotonin you're not sure where to start, you're not sure how to do it. Is actually I produced love in the gut. my Hamama microgreen grower. It's so easy. It's so convenient. So this is how it works. Basically, they send you the kit and it has this little seed quilt, okay? And then you soak the seed quilt in the water and in a few days, you see your tiny little baby sprouts growing and a few days after that, you can start eating them and it's so fun. And you can tell them that you're eating them and they're really happy that you're eating them and your body's really happy that you're eating them. But here's the best part because I've told y'all before, I'm lazy. So I don't wanna have to use any mental energy that I don't need to and they send you seed quilts every month so you don't run out you can change what seed quilts you want to try so here's some examples of some of the seed quilts they have hearty broccoli refreshing cabbage energizing kale spicy daikon radish super salad mix you can even get wheatgrass you can get culinary cilantro or even hot wasabi mustard so there's lots to choose from they have different flavors they're so cute and they're health promoting so you can get a good dose of antioxidants and it's really beautiful. I also use them for garnish when I'm making soups and salads and different bowls. You can impress your guests, but like I said, it's going to be low energy cost on your part. And it's actually not that expensive either. The other thing that I use from Hamama is a green onion growing kit, which is really cool because it can decrease your food waste. So you buy the green onions and then the little part that has the root, the white part at the bottom, you stick it in these little holes and then you just put the water in there and it grows. And then you can keep eating the same green onions. You just go with your little scissors and you chop it off and you put it into your food. So if you wanna give it a try, you've been curious about microgreens and different ways that you can grow your own food, check out Hamama. You can find it in my show notes for a link to get 15% off, or you can go to dryami.com forward slash shop so that you can find the link and get 15% off your first order. Happy growing.
Do you love Veggie Doctor Radio, but you're sick of listening to ads? Join the Plantscription. The Plantscription is a monthly membership where you have access to ad-free episodes of Veggie Doctor Radio every week. But that's not all. You also have access to a monthly live Q&A with me and a monthly live book club. You also get access to writings and musings and free giveaways. It is such a great deal. Right now, it's only $5 a month to join the Planscription. If you want to join, go to planscription.substack.com or go to the show notes to follow the link. Join the Planscription today and join me in this plantastic community. So it's really important that we're adding in, you know, a lot of foods that's going to really help to nourish our gut bacteria, as well as minimizing some of those foods that may be harmful to our, our gut bacteria as well. So before I talk about the foods that help, let's talk about some of the foods that we might want to minimize. You know, one of them would be antibiotics. And, you know, I also want to say here, like if you're on antibiotics, your doctors put you on antibiotics, you know, please, by all means, follow your doctor's recommendations. But what I'm talking about here specifically is an overuse of antibiotics, right? Because when we have an overuse of antibiotics, it kills both the good guys and the bad guys. Um, and then we have animal foods, right? Um, antibiotics have also wormed their way into our food chain, specifically with animal foods, right? So these animals are fed antibiotics, which are then passed on to our plate, right? So we really want to be mindful of if anybody is listening to this, and I know the audience is primarily plant-based, but if anybody happens to be listening to this that does eat meat, like if you buy anything like organic, you definitely want to make sure you're prioritizing that meat and purchasing that organic. Um, you want to get something that's grass-fed, you know, just look for markers like that or antibiotic free, super, super, super important. Um, and then we have processed foods that, you know, also are harmful to our gut um, because processed foods are not only high in like refined sugar and white sugar, they often can contain emulsifiers that might be harmful to your microbiome. So emulsifiers are, are definitely additives that really make food more shelf stable. So you can typically find them in things like, um, like ice cream, salad dressings, and coffee creamers. So they appear, they like improve like the appearance as well as the texture of food. So in terms of like what heals and how to nourish our gut, we can do that with the addition of probiotics and prebiotics. So probiotics are beneficial bacteria while, while prebiotics are food for that bacteria. So probiotics, you can find them in foods or prebiotics, you can find them in foods like um, asparagus, Jerusalem artichokes, onions, leeks, and dandelion greens. And those probiotics, I, I love the probiotic sources because these are some of my favorite foods, like things like um, sauerkraut, miso, kombucha. Like I love all of these foods. Miso, I can do so many different things with it. Don't just use it for soups. You know, use it to make homemade salad dressings and stir fries. It just adds so much flavor to food. I love it. And yes, I've had Dr. Will Bolsowich on the show a couple of times. He's the author of Fiber Fueled and the Fiber Fueled Cookbook. And one thing to know is that basically all plant foods 
have fiber and there's different types of fiber in every single plant. So it's not just like one type of fiber. They're all different types of fiber and this is all food for your gut microbiome. Of course, there's some special prebiotic type of fibers in some of these foods, but all plant foods have fiber. So just get That's more right. whole plant foods into your life. And just like you were saying earlier, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. People don't have to feel stressed out that they have to overhaul their whole diet overnight. Just start adding more fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans, nuts, and seeds into your diet, into your meals and your snacks every day. And then little by little, you're going to get to that point where you realize, wow, I feel so much better than I did before just by eating more whole plant foods. So definitely Absolutely. we got to support those gut bugs because they help support us. If we are feeding the wrong ones, then it's going to be one of those kind of toxic relationships, literally, right? We don't want a toxic <laughs> relationship with our gut bugs. We want to have That's a nice, right. friendly, harmonious, beautiful relationship with them. So thank you so Absolutely. much for talking about that. I mean, that all sounds great. We want to do less ruminating. We want to manage our thoughts. We want to decrease inflammation. We want to get in these stress-busting nutrients. We also want to feed our gut microbiome. It sounds fabulous, but we struggle with that. So yes. what do you find with working with your clients that women struggle the most with when they're attempting to change some of these habits? Yeah, you just mentioned it, Dr. Yami, you know, using the tools that are available to us and use, using them consistently, right? When we're caught up in that stress response and in that moment, you know, we're not really thinking about the tools that we have available to us to help us to manage stress. But, you know, if you do nothing else, the simplest and the easiest thing that you can do that is available to all of us and doesn't cost you a dime is to just breathe. That's it. If you find yourself caught up in the moment, just stop where you are. Hopefully you're not driving. Just stop where you are and just breathe. And even if you just do that, you will immediately start to feel better. Yes, absolutely. That's like the instant free thing that you could do any place, anywhere to help calm your immune system and start thinking of a better way to approach your issues. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I agree with you that consistency trumps perfection every single time. And I think a lot of women, just like we were talking about earlier, because I know, cause I'm a woman and I have this problem is this perfectionism of like, okay, I'm going to change things and I'm going to be perfect. But if it's not perfect, then we just abandon. So it goes from you're either all in or all out when instead just trying to put one foot in front of the other, doing the best you can every day and trying to stay as consistent as possible is going to get you way far than trying to be perfect every single day. So thank you so much for bringing that up. So well said. All right, Trudy, this has been fantastic and you've taught us some really great things. I'd love to know, what do you wish more people knew? I wish more people knew that, you know, there are other options than turning to food to manage your stress. Because some foods that we're relying on to help us to manage stress can actually make stress worse. And I, I like to use the analogy of a crutch. And, you know, my husband, he's about six foot five, and he tore his Achilles tendon a few years ago, right before we were supposed to go to Jamaica and right during a time where we were looking for a house. So here's this six foot, foot, you know, six foot five guy. He's on these crutches. We're trying to go down into basements of houses when we're going to these open houses and we're trying to get from house to house, you know, to see all the different options for us to buy. We also go to Jamaica. You know, he's on the beach. Now he's on the crutches. He's trying to make it over to the buffet. We go to the buffet. We're trying to get the food. 
the moral of the story is here, when we rely on food to manage stress, it's a crutch. And when we think about crutches, when we think about my husband who was six foot five on the crutches, it just takes you so much longer to do things. And I want you to think about stress in the same way. It's really going to take you that much longer to really get to the root of managing stress if you rely on food as a Band-Aid or a crutch, right? Again, I talked about this earlier, like these foods, they hijack the pleasure centers of your brain and have you keep coming back for more, right? So these foods are actually, you know, making your mood worse and making your stress worse. And because I'm so concerned about this and everything that's happened during the pandemic, this is actually why I've decided to host a free masterclass called Why Food is Comfort so people can learn more effective tools to manage stress so that they're not eating it. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I also would add that food's all, always been my number one coping mechanism since I was a kid. But lately... Mm -hmm the big one for me has been social media. So I've had to definitely set some limits around that because if it's not food, it's scrolling, which we all know is not making us feel better either. So that's no. also one of those vicious cycles where we think it's gonna make us feel better, we turn to it, we're scrolling for hours and we actually end up feeling worse and more stressed and worse about ourselves at the end of the day. So those yeah. two are very linked in that way. Yeah, and then All you right. can just start to ask yourself some questions, Dr. Yami, to get to the root of what's stressing you out. Mm -hmm. So if you find yourself in a stressful moment or a stressful time, just ask yourself some empowering questions. Because when we ask ourselves questions, now we start moving towards solutions versus just staying stuck in the problem. So it can just even be like, how am I feeling right now? And just let some words start to come to mind, right? And then you ask yourself, well, why is it that I'm feeling that way? And what do I have the power to do right now? So even just asking yourself like those three questions, now you're going to start to rewire your brain to start to think about solutions versus just getting stuck in that problem. Yes, questions are so powerful. We have to learn to ask the right questions because our brain will give us the solutions. If we're not asking the right questions, we're just stuck. You know, it's like being in a pit, but we start asking those questions that utilize the power of our brain to give us those answers that we haven't even considered we're, gonna, we're there. So yeah, that's a really great point. All right, Trudy, do you have a morning routine? If so, share it with us. Absolutely, Dr. Yami. I love my morning routine because that is time just for me. <laughs> when we think about it, the moment we leave our house and we go to the office or we go downstairs to our dining room if we're working from home and you know flip open that laptop and start checking emails, the rest of the day completely takes away from you. So the morning really is that time to fill your cup and just to give back to yourself and just have that time to yourself. So when I wake up in the morning, I do either one or two things. Either I meditate immediately as soon as I start, you know, as soon as I open my eyes, because that's one of the times when your brain is most receptive to meditation. So I just meditate for like, you know, five, maybe 10 minutes, not a really long time, right? Or I might just open up a personal development book and just read maybe like a few pages from a personal development book for 10 minutes, right? And then I start thinking about the intention I want to set for the day. I start, you know, visualizing how I want my day to go, right? Because when we start visualizing like what we want to bring into our life, you're more actually able to actually attract that into your life. So that's kind of what I do as soon as my eyes kind of pop open. I don't, you know, get my phone and start scrolling through the gram or Facebook or whatever, or TikTok, whatever your advice might be, right? Because now I'm letting other people in before I have a chance to fill my cup. So I don't do that. Um, so after I do the, the meditation or the reading of the personal development book, I made exercise. 
Some days I might exercise for 45 minutes. Some days I might exercise for only 20 minutes. But it's so important that we get moving. Again, you know, thinking about the pandemic, a lot of us have just been sitting at home, sitting behind our computers. We're not really moving and walking around as much as we used to. So what's super important, forget about exercise to lose weight. Exercise is so important for your brain. It's important for enhancing the hippocampus, the part of the brain responsible for memory and learning that I talked about earlier. It's important to help you to improve your mood. Just get moving. It's important for your joints. It's important for your life and your longevity as you age. So exercising really for me, it's not so much about the way that I look. It's about the way that I feel and increasing my longevity. I love it. That sounds wonderful. Very similar to my morning routine. I'd love to know what personal development book are you reading right now? I'm actually reading a money book right now. I'm trying to, you know, get my money mindset together. So I'm reading Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Um, I think the author's name is T. Harp Ecker. Okay. I haven't read that one, but it sounds good. It's really good. All right. Beautiful. <laughs> okay. This has been fantastic. Super high yield episode. Lots for my listeners to delve into. You mentioned your masterclass. So I would love for you to tell my listeners how they can connect with you and then what products and services you offer and where they can sign up for your masterclass. Yeah, so they can sign up for the masterclass at comfort.trudyestone.com. My website is also trudyestone.com. You can also find me on Instagram at trudyestone.com. So pretty easy. Um, in terms of um, services that I have right now, I'm scaling back on my one-to-one -one services, but it, because again, boundaries, right? And I'm trying to create the life for myself that I want to live. So I do have the Food is Comfort Masterclass this is, that's coming up. I also have a sugar addiction mini course that I'll be releasing very, very soon. And you can also check out my book, Unbreakable. Awesome. Beautiful. Okay. So last question, leave us with your best tip for stressed out moms. What is the first thing that they should do when they are ready to overcome stress and improve their well-being? Don't be afraid to ask for help. I think sometimes as women, and I feel this way too, like we feel like when we ask for help, it's almost like failure or defeat, right? And you can't think about it that way. Think about it in terms of, again, like thinking about those guardrails on the road, right? You're, you're setting these boundaries to help to protect yourself and those that you love, right? And like I shared earlier, like I started to grow my team this year, which is something that I've had on my list for a very long time. It's something that I wanted to do because I'm such a control freak. But my assistant has been great and she's been doing a lot of the tasks that I no longer have the time to do. So it's just helping me to live my life more in line with my values. Oh, that's a great tip. Trudy, this has been fantastic, wonderful information. Thank you for everything that you do to help other people. And thank you for being on the show. And I hope that you have a very fantastic day. Thanks for having me, Dr. Yami. Hey, veggie lover. I hope that you loved today's episode. Will you take a second and do me a huge favor? Please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode. You're the reason I'm here and I want to share it all with you. Thank you for listening and have a plantastic day.